Steve. Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service now, so we'll get our Bibles out and get them ready. And we'll start with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open our Bibles now, we are eager to learn. And not just to learn, but to be changed by you. Because we know that's what it's all about. That's what our Christian life is all about. You're transforming us and changing us. So help us to freely put ourselves in your hands. Help us not only to understand things, but let that knowledge go to our heart so that it becomes a part of us. So Lord, thank you. Through the Holy Spirit, we know that you're going to open our eyes to see. So thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll ask you to turn with me back to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. That's the fifth book of the Bible. The title of the sermon is The Secret Things of God. The Secret Things of God. In this verse that I'm going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses had just led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. They had come to Mount Sinai where God, through Moses, had given Israel his law. And that's basically what the first five books of the Old Testament are all about. They're the law, the Torah. And uh, Moses passed all this information along to the people, words that they were to live by, a lot of information about God himself. And he says something very interesting toward the end of this book. Moses is about to die, and uh, the Israelites are going to continue on to the promised land. And this is what Moses says to them in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law It's an interesting thing for him to say. The secret things of God. Are there secret things of God? Well, yes, indeed there are. Now, why did Moses feel it necessary to say this? Well, he had just, you know, written all these books, the first five books of the Bible. And like I said, there was a lot of information introducing the people of Israel to God. And a lot of things were taught here. But Moses, you know, under the inspiration of God, probably knew that these five books of the Bible here, the first five books, weren't going to answer everybody's questions. That people were going to wonder about other things about God that maybe weren't mentioned in the first five books. And uh, Moses knew that there were going to be other questions. So he went out of his way to to just say that, you know what, there are certain things about God that we don't know, that we're not going to understand, and they're secret to us. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed, the things that he has taught us, now belong to us and to our children forever. You know, the book of Genesis starts off saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're taught how this all came to be, that we were created. We didn't just evolve from lower life forms. But wait a minute. The book starts off teaching us about God, and it just said, well, God created the heavens and the earth. What happened before that? Where did God come from? (laughs) 
You know, in order for him to be able to create everything that he created, how did that happen? I want to know more of the story. What was God doing before he created? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of those questions in my mind. And the older I get, the more I think about those things. You know, I, I seek to understand more deeply, not just about God, but about other things. But I've come to the point where I realize that there are certain things that God does not choose to reveal to us. And that's his prerogative. I want to know where God came from. I want to know what he was doing before creation. I want to know how can there be a, a one God, yet it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How can that be? Well, there are secret things of God that we don't fully understand. And try as hard as we might, we just can't seem to, to get the picture and get all the information we, we want. You know, we're living here on this uh, orb, this planet Earth, and as far as we can tell, looking at all the other planets in the solar system and throughout the universe, we seem to be the only one where you can go out and see flowers and birds and automobiles and everything else that's on this earth. Are we unique in this universe? Are there any other planets that hold life? We don't know. God does. There's a lot of questions that we have, a lot of things we wonder about, but our understanding seems to be somewhat limited. And sometimes we're frustrated by that. But uh, let's understand the big picture here. Let's turn to John chapter 17. In fact, God did go out of his way to reveal to us a lot more about God than the Israelites ever do. He sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth. And not only did Jesus come to die on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins so we can be reconciled to God and ultimately have salvation through him, but Jesus also came to reveal the Father to us. And anybody who believes in Jesus and believes Jesus will come to know a lot more about God than the Israelites ever understood. In fact, Jesus says in John 17, John 17, let me get there, and verse 25, he talks about his purpose. We just studied this recently in our Bible study. John 17, verse 25, in his prayer to the Father, just before his death, he says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they, in other words, talking about his disciples, they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So in Bible study, we, we discussed what that was all about. And Jesus came to represent the Father. He... Uh, is just like the Father. He said, in some cases, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus came in human form to demonstrate what the Father was like. So he answered a lot more questions that people had about God and what God was really like. He certainly didn't answer all questions that people would have had, but one of the reasons God sent his son Jesus Christ to represent him 
was to teach further, to actually demonstrate what the Father was like by the way he himself acted. So Jesus was very forgiving to demonstrate that the Father was very forgiving. Jesus was very loving to demonstrate how the Father was loving, and so on. So we've been blessed by God the Father with the knowledge to answer further questions, and that knowledge came through Jesus Christ. Now, that's not the end of it, because if you turn back just a couple pages to John chapter 14, Jesus predicted before he ascended back up to heaven that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would further help us understand about God the Father and some of the mysteries of God the Father. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus said this, well, in verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So sometimes we take for granted, we don't realize the truth that we have been taught by God about him. You know, he has revealed a lot of the mysteries about himself to us. And we've come to a deeper understanding. And if you acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, and if you look to him for truth, you will learn more about God. And if you receive the Holy Spirit, once you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says to be baptized and to receive the Holy Spirit, once that happens, you start to understand more deeply about God. Amen. And we have grown considerably in our relationship with God, in our understanding of God. Things that we take for granted are things that a lot of the world doesn't understand. It doesn't believe. So God has really blessed us in revealing himself to us. But you know what? There are some things that we're still not going to understand in this life. <laughs> there are some things that remain secret about God and his plans, uh, the nature of being spirit and being eternal, uh, there are going to be things that we're simply not going to understand. As an example here in Acts 1, verse 7, 6 and 7, remember just before Jesus departed to ascend back up to, to heaven, the disciples were after him and, and, and trying to pin him down on this. Uh, when is the kingdom going to start? They thought that Jesus as the Messiah had come to establish the kingdom on earth. And here he was departing. And I can imagine, you know, they had so looked forward to the kingdom of God being set up and the Messiah, you know, starting the kingdom. And now here Jesus is leaving. And in their minds, the kingdom hadn't been established. So they're, they're probably hanging on to him saying, wait, wait, you can't go yet. You came here to establish the kingdom and now you're departing. What does this mean? It says in verse 6, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, listen, it's just not for you to know. The times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So there are some things where God has to tell us, it's not for you to know. I'm not going to reveal that now. There's no way you're going to find out. You can guess, you can surmise, you can predict, you can do this, you can do that. But it's not for you to know right now. 
And there are some questions that are just going to hang on there with us. Now, I don't know when Jesus is going to return. You don't either. Why? Because it's not for you to know. God has given, all you, given you all you need to live this life. He's given you his son and his, his death on the cross. He's given you the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you through this life. He's given you grace and forgiveness for all the sins that you've committed. That's all you need right now. You don't need to know when Jesus is going to return. He's going to return, but you don't need to know the date. Now, why did God choose not to give us the date? Because knowing human nature as he does, we would all just lay around and live the wrong kind of life until we get to maybe a week or two to go before Jesus is going to return. Then we're all going to get on the ball, man. We're all going to you know, improve and be kind to people and, and uh, repent of our sins. God knows human nature. So he wants us to live our lives so that it could happen any day. Any day. But yet people want to, to, to look for signs and, you know, things that tell that it's only a year off or a month off. That's human nature. God says, it's not for you to know. I've told you all you need to know. Just get on with your life. Live in relationship with me. Love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. So there are secret things of God. I think that there are more secret things of God than we would ever imagine. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I like the way the Apostle Paul uh, describes it here. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 9. He says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Another translation says, we see a poor reflection. It's like we're looking through a glass darkly. And you know, uh, when, when you look through, let's say you look into a mirror, you know, we have very fine mirrors today. Back in Paul's day, they didn't have mirrors like we have. Uh, a mirror was nothing more than a piece of polished brass, and it gave a very poor reflection, but it was the only thing that they had to look into to see themselves. So that's why the one translation says it's like we're looking through a glass darkly. You, you can't see all the details. Uh, it's not very clear. It seems that God has given us limited information about what heaven is like and, and when Jesus is going to return and what it's like to be God and the whole angelic realm and that whole kind of spirit dimension. We don't understand that and we certainly don't see it clearly. But he goes on to say in verse 12, Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So there's coming a time, I think he's talking here about the time of our transformation, 
when we are changed, when we are glorified, when Jesus returns and our change in an instant comes and we go from physical to spirit, when we go from uh, uh, human and mortal to glorified as we have been promised by God and by Jesus, by Jesus Christ. At that time, all of the mystery will disappear and we will come to understand fully you know, there's a lot that God does not bother to teach us today. Things that we may have questions about, about what it's like to be God, and what did he do before he created creation, because he has existed forever. There's a lot of things that God doesn't bother to try to teach us, because our human, physical minds can't handle it. We wouldn't be able to fathom what he would be trying to teach us. When our change comes, when we are glorified, we will have the capacity then to understand. If you take a little child, like a one-year-old, and you try to teach him or her things about physics or uh, nuclear science or astronomy, you know, you can sit there and continually talk to the child and it's obvious that they don't understand. They can't begin to fathom what you're talking about. I've had conversations with my cat. <laughs> On Sunday mornings, I say, okay, Alvin, we're going to church today. Do you, do you know God at all? <laughs> you know, and he, he's just kind of staring at me and looking at me quizzically, and I can tell he's not getting it, okay? <laughs> he, it's just not sinking in. That's what it would be like for God to try to teach us what it's like to be God. What it's like to have lived forever, to be eternal. Our minds can't fathom that. It doesn't even sink in. So God doesn't bother to try to teach us those things. Now there's coming a time when we will have the capacity to understand that. And boy, I'll tell you, I got my list of questions ready for God. There's so much I want to know. There's so much I would like to ask him. But the time has not come for that. What God is telling me now is, listen, John, I've given you all the information you need. I've sent my son to die for your sins. I've sent you the Holy Spirit. I've sent you my word right here. Study this. Don't worry about the other stuff. Focus on this. This is what you need now. And yeah, draw closer and closer to me in relationship every day. Pray to me. Worship me, God says. Don't worry about the other stuff. But you know, it's human nature to always wonder about the other stuff. And so even some Christians have set a lot of their life trying to learn about the other stuff. And you know, there's a whole industry now of, it seems, Bible prophecy and the TV shows and all the books about the other stuff that we don't fully understand and, you know, trying to explain that and setting dates for when they think Jesus is going to return. And so many people spend so much effort on that. God said, that's not for you to know. Focus on what I have given you. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. That's what I ask you to do right now. You know, it says in Isaiah 55, verse 9, and I'm always reminded of this when I, I think about all those wild questions I have that I want God to answer and I want to try to somehow discover. Isaiah 55, verse 9, God says this, 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, it's impossible for you to understand all about me. It's going to be a mystery. You're never going to know it, at least now. But God promises that the time is coming when our change takes place that we will have the capacity. And you know what? I want to ask God questions. You know, God, why, why are there wars? Why do you allow little children to die? How can, how can you do that, you know? Even Christians, how can you allow Christians to be martyred? But you know what? There's a purpose in all that. God's, God thinks, he, he, he sees the big picture. His thoughts are so much better than our thoughts. They're so much higher than our thoughts. In all things, his purpose is being worked out. You know, I've got questions about my own personal life and things that Mary and I have experienced over our years together. I mean, difficulties, what I would call in some cases tragedies that we've, we've had to experience. And, you know, we wonder, God, why? Why did you allow that to happen? We're your people. <laughs> you know, uh, aren't things supposed to go better all the time for us? And, you know, sometimes you don't get an answer. And sometimes, you know, as you pray and study, an answer kind of comes to you. And, and you kind of get it. But there's going to come a time where God's going to sit us down and explain everything to us. Why every little thing happened in your life. What his purpose was. What he was working out there. And I think in some cases it's going to blow us away when we see the reality of it through God's eyes. And his purposes are always good. And he promises that everything works out for good for those who love him. And he's never going to fail in that promise. But in the meantime, there are going to be mysteries. But you know what? When we think about it, God has revealed so much to us when we compare ourselves to others. And I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think I'm in the dark sometimes when it comes to all my knowledge of God. But as far as the common people in the world who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior... They're really in the dark. They uh, don't, uh, don't only reject the truth, they don't understand the truth, they don't want to have anything to do with the truth of God. You know, we, we are kind of drawn to God. We want to know more about Him, learn about Him, you know, as we worship Him and pray to Him and uh, praise Him. But there are a lot of people in the world and I'm not here to condemn them. You know, God is their judge. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They don't want to know anything about God. Sometimes we get in conversations with people just in our daily life, and if the subject of God should ever come up, they want to run from that. They don't want to talk about God, because then they're going to have to talk maybe about their personal sins and shortcomings, and nobody wants to talk about that. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6. Don't, don't focus on what we don't understand about God. Focus on what he has revealed to us and a tremendous amount of information that we know about him and, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Paul says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. 
No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. What's he mean by that? Well, what God has revealed to us, you know, how we came to be here on this earth, what our future is, you know, after death or after Jesus returns, God has revealed that all to us. We know where we came from and we know what we're going and we know what we're supposed to be doing here in this life. But you know what? That's a secret to most of the world. We take it for granted, that knowledge that God has given us. Those people are still struggling with their questions and searching for answers. And they're, you know, they're, they're looking to everything from you know, other religions and Far Eastern religions and, and drugs and, and whatever else they're using to try to come to understand what this life is all about. God has freely given us that information. What we understand freely is still considered a secret to the world because they haven't grasped it because they reject God. Verse 7, now, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden from the world and that God destined for our glory before time uh, began. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So like I said, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and teach us. And he also sent the Holy Spirit, which now dwells in all of us, to teach us. And that learning process continues on. We learn more and more as time goes by. Not all of our questions are going to be answered. We're not going to come to the deepest understanding and knowledge of God. He has given us what we need to know. He says in verse 11, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? So I know more than my cat does, because I have the spirit of man in me, the cat doesn't. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So you see, you have something in you that has opened a door of understanding as to who God is and what this is all about. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now there's a lot of people in this world, the Holy Spirit does not dwell in them. So they don't have that understanding. So what I'm saying to you is never take for granted what you do understand. We're always thinking about, well, what, what we don't understand, and we want to know more. God has bestowed on you a tremendous amount of spiritual understanding, and it has changed your life radically. Amen. And it has brought you peace, and it has brought you joy, and it has you know, blessed you in so many ways, what you do know about God. He says in verse 12, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man or woman makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So th this one that we're trying to understand more about is actually dwelling in us. So he has come to bring us all that we need, a hidden secret wisdom which none of the rulers or philosophers of this age know about. These things belong to us. Remember as, as uh, Moses said to the Israelites, what has not been revealed, that's God's secret information. But what has been revealed to us belongs to us and to our children forever. So God's truth and what we understand about him, that's our life. And we have not only been called to appreciate it and understand it ourselves, but we have been called now to share that information and that truth with others. And when we have the opportunity, not that we go and force our religion down anybody's throat, but in conversations with people, if they were to ask us questions, as Pastor Dave said a little while ago, we should be prepared to give them an answer for the hope that is within us. To tell them about our experience with God and that that experience and relationship is, is open to them as well. All they have to do is call out to God to repent of their sins and to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that same Spirit will come to them. The, the Son, the Father, the Spirit will dwell in them. We're to tell others about what we know. We're to preach the gospel, in other words. So don't focus on what you don't know. Don't try to search and search for information and knowledge that has not been given to you. All we need to know is here. And in the meantime, just focus on what we have. Focus on the tremendous truth, insight, and wisdom that God has blessed us with. Don't always be looking for something else. Just one more scripture here in Titus. The epistle of Paul to Titus. I can find this. Right after Timothy, Titus 1 and verse 10. You know, so much time is, is wasted trying to grasp information that is not available, that God has not revealed. And people try to make things up. You know, uh, I used to like history. I still like history. But uh, on our cable, you turn on the History Channel, and all it is anymore is about ancient aliens. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen any of those shows. But they're talking about how they think we came to be on this earth, that it wasn't God or anything, it was people from another planet or people from another dimension who have come and created us and uh, are working here on this planet and changing us into something. And it's just crazy stuff. It's, it's far different from what God reveals to us and what God teaches. And they're, they're you know, teaching all this crazy stuff and looking for zany ideas about reality. I like what uh, Titus says here in Titus 1, verse 10. There are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are running whole households by teaching things that ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain, even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Verse 13, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. 
so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but their actions, by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. And he goes on to say uh, in chapter 3, verse 9, Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. And it just seems that so many people devote so much of their time to trying to find out the information that God has not revealed. You know, sure, I like my Bible, but I want to look into these other things and, and, and try to grasp, you know, more information about God and what it's like and when Jesus is going to return and, uh, are, you know, is there life on other planets? And, uh, you know, I've seen some people get so involved in that sort of thing that it can eventually sweep them away from the faith. So Paul cautioned Titus, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies that there's no answer to. You can't find it in God's truth, so it's not important for us to know those things. You know, someday we're going to know what God did before he created creation. We're going to know if there's life on other planets and if that should be important to us at all. We're going to know if, if they know about God, if there are other people out there someplace. God's going to reveal that all to us. We don't need to know that now. We need to focus on the commission God has given us we need to use the spirit that he's given us, and we're here to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the church is to be God's force on earth for that change and for preaching the gospel to the unsaved. And God's goal is to bring everybody eventually to salvation. Of course, that's got to be their decision, and some will accept it and some will reject it. But that's what we've been called to do. Let's remember what our calling is about and what it's not about. And let's not waste our time on, on foolish, uh, quarreling, controversies, genealogies, arguments that will never bring an answer, most likely, until the time comes that God reveals all to us. So are there secret things of God? Yes, indeed, there are. And why are they kept secret from us? Because God has determined that they should be. Like I said, in many cases, some of the information we're seeking is, is information that we could not even handle if God revealed it to us. But the time is coming when we'll see God face to face, we'll know God face to face. And like I said, I got a list of questions. I want to sit down and ask God. And I know he's going to answer each and every one of us uh, our questions and our concerns that we've had in this life. But we look forward to what that future life is going to be like with God in uh, heaven in the very kingdom of God. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have taught us so many things and you have refrained from teaching us other things. If we were to understand all the things that you know right now, it would just destroy us because these human brains that you've given us, our minds are not able to handle all that you know, all that you understand, all that you have experienced. We have our place here on this earth and in your church. And help us to live out the purpose that you've uh, created us for. And we know eventually in time, if we're just patient, if we just look to you and focus on you, 
The time is coming in the future when you are going to expand our minds tremendously. And we're going to be able to see you and understand you in a way that we have never been able to because we've just been children. But at that time, maturity will come. And uh, as the scripture says, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into man's mind what you have prepared for us. Wow, what a time that's going to be like, Lord. So we love you, we thank you, we put our trust in you, and we know that uh, by not knowing everything, we need to have faith and trust in you. So grant us that faith and trust. We love you, Lord, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.